It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Families have a lot going on. Let Ollie help manage the mental load with new cognitive help supplements for everyone four and up, like delicious Lolly Focus Pops or Lolly Mellow Pops for kids. And for parents, try three new Brainy Chews to help you focus, chill out, or get energized. Find these cognitive health buddies for the whole fam at ollie.com. That's O-L-L-Y.com. These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. Good evening and welcome to After Extra Time, your footballing podcast. I'm your host, Greeny, and joining me again today for the third episode of season two is Mr. Jack Godfrey. Greeny, how are you? All right, mate. I nearly forgot your name then. (laughs) Just forget me, mate. uh, Let's introduce the second one. So the second person we've got is the Millwall one, Mr. Alex Jacko Jackson. All right, boys, how are we? Oh, even better now, mate, even better now. <laughs> yeah, um, here we go. Didn't take long, oh, did it? You don't have to listen to just the Derby fan today. <laughs> we'll go on to that sort of stuff later on. Well, not that he wants to talk about football anyway, because oh, they're shit. What I do want to say, though, boys, are you looking forward to uh, part two with Mr Dean Hammond? Yes, we are. Yeah, it's going to be good fun. Yeah. I think it'd be good to get an insight on what he's doing now with the fitness and stuff. Yeah, really good. Yeah, that's it'd be great to hear all about his nutrition and stuff like that. Um, Another one of Green Greenie's bromances. <laughs> well, so so called bromances. Oh yeah, the one the one way. I love you, Dean. It's not, love you. not reciprocated. It's just one way. Yeah. Sorry, so Dean's doing it. Dean's doing it because he just wants to get him off his back, so he stops taking it. <laughs> it's a one way show. Sorry, yeah, sorry, sure. Dean, if you listen to this, mate. Um, these two are a pair of clowns. <laughs> right, lads, let's move on. Obviously, we've done um, a Facebook Live earlier on in the week, and we covered quite a lot of few things. Um, but what I'm going to go straight on to is Jacko. Brighton mm. game against Man United. It finished 3-2. Talk to me yeah. about it. I mean, some of that <laughs> that game was an absolute fast with VAR. I'm sure you'll agree with me. Um, and I feel Brighton got aggrieved of a point or maybe three. Um, Brian didn't deserve to lose that game. No, I totally agree. That I, was I, watched to the highlight, I watched the highlights of it this morning and I'm sat there going, how on earth have Man United got three points out of that? Because they did not deserve anything. Mm. I think I think, I think Trossard hit the woodwork four times. Um, yeah, okay, there's an argument that Brighton should have been more clinical in front of goal, but United just didn't turn up at all. No. Um, you know, they got lucky. All right, Rashford's goal was a very, very well-worked goal. 
but you know, there's always going to it's always going to come down to that that third goal, that penalty. Um, I don't really know what to say. To be honest, I think there's a lot of question marks, especially after today with the Newcastle game as well. There's a lot of question marks about this handball rule. Um, you know, listening to match of the day, Nicker Richards found it ridiculous. Gary Lineker turned around and said, why don't they just change it so that if it hits the hand, it's a handball, which I'm totally in agreement with. I think it would just stop all of this nonsense about, is it deliberate? Is he is your hand in an unnatural position? All that sort of jazz. If you just make it that simple, no one can really have an argument with it. Um, so, yeah, I, I think if, you know, Graham Potter said himself he was disappointed with the result because they didn't deserve to lose it. And I totally agree. And I think Brighton are going to turn up. Um, I think Brighton are going to do quite well this year. They they look very good against a very poor Newcastle side. They didn't deserve to lose yesterday. I think they'll be all right this year. Yeah, I mean, going on that VAR decision, Jack, I mean, obviously they, they did come out and say it at, when VAR first started, it's got to be a clear and obvious, a clear and obvious error. Now, to me, it's not yeah. clear and obvious because it's just hit his arm. It doesn't mean it's clear and obvious. Like you said, yeah. if his arm's out, then fair enough. But if his arm's down his side, to me, that's not yeah. clear and obvious. Well, they don't they don't help themselves because they show it in slow-mo. And if it's football or if it's cricket or if it's rugby or if it's baseball or any other sort of sport where they use slow motion to sort of notice a, a big decision, it looks worse than it actually is. Mm. If they were to watch it in, in real time... Especially when, you know, I like the fact that they went to the monitors and they've had a look at them. That I don't have a problem with because that's what it's there for. Mm. But they need to be able to see it in real time to get a better understanding of the situation. Yeah. And I I just feel it gets aggravated if they slow it down. Uh, Yeah, I I totally understand. I mean, do you still feel, though, obviously the refs are now going over to the monitors, do you still feel... The person upstairs is still having more of a say on it than what they should. Uh, this is the problem. We we've got no communication as fans or watching them on on the TV. We we've got no idea what they're saying. And they had this. I, I know I talk about cricket a lot, but I'm a cricket fan, and I'll use it because it's a good example. When the DRS system came in, which came in, which was the review system, mm. especially at the grounds, you got just the images of what the umpire was looking at yeah, and then the decision. And it would sometimes go against you and it sometimes wouldn't, but you couldn't understand why. And then I think about sort of five, five years ago, they changed it so that you could actually listen to the communication between third umpire and the on-field umpire and you could understand why they were making that decision. And I think that is the next step that they have to use in VAR because the A-League did it. Um, there was a, a Australian referee referee in his last game. I think he was heading to, uh, he was doing something else. Um, they had the mic on. Yeah. So while the game was playing, you could hear what he was saying to the, the referees. Now, I don't know if it was a case of pandering to the fact that this is one of the longest serving referees and he's doing whatever he's doing. But by the sounds, if that's a common thing, then surely that's for the better because you can hear the communication between him and his assistants, him and the, the VAR officials, and it just clears everything up. Mm. You know, especially at the time when they go to the monitor, you can actually hear what they're saying. 
Now, I don't think they should do it at the ground because it would just cause an uproar and you'd have a lot of fans causing a lot of shit, I'd feel. Mm. But for, for the TV sort of audiences, you get a better understanding of why they're doing it. Yeah, I totally agree. I couldn't agree anymore, mate. Um, I mean, Jack, I'm going to move off from, from that um, VAR and United game. I'm going to put another game onto you now um, with West Brom drawing three all at home to Chelsea. Uh, I'm sure none of your predictions, Jack, what you made was uh, anything like that scoreline. No, definitely not, mate. Um, I didn't see West Brom getting anything out of the game. Um, and I was just shocked to see anyone when they were uh, 3 0 up after, you know, half an hour, 35 minutes. Mm. Um, Chelsea just threw stupid errors, really. Just, you know, they're probably, yeah, I wouldn't say they were on top Chelsea, but they would probably, the, the ones looking more likely to score. And then before you know it, they found themselves 3 0 down. And, you know, it's. At three 0 down, you're in a very tough position to try and get anything from the game. So, um, I think Chelsea have got to have a long, hard look at themselves, and you know the errors are just. Yeah, we spoke about this before about with Chelsea, and obviously it's going to take time to gel. And I think you've got to look at stuff like Thiago Silva making mistakes like that, and you know Werner's not scored, Havertz still not scored in the league. Mm-hmm. You know. Do you think he's under fire, Jack Lampard, already after two games? I wouldn't say under fire, no. Um, I think you've got to give him time to let that team gel. Um, but like we've said on here before, they will be under pressure, you know, to obviously get results. They've spent a lot of money um, and you've got to produce when you spend that kind of money. Um, I just think at times, Chelsea, it's OK them buying all this attacking threat, but defensively, yeah, I know they've bought Thiago Silva, but I know you're a great fan of Alonso, but I thought he had a shocking game again yesterday. Two of the three goals were his fault. Yeah, and he's just he just looks so out of his depth. He really does. Um, Thiago Silva, yeah, sloppy mistake again. Defending for the third goal was poor. You know, Reese James didn't step up. No one's marking him. <laughs> well, that was, that was the thing. Alonso's man was Bartley. He didn't go with him. I think Reese James has got to step out as well. But, yeah, yeah. you know, they've shot themselves in the foot. They really have. And, yeah, they did, I suppose they did well to come back and draw for real. But this is a game they should be taking three points from. So, yeah. it is two points dropped. And it's mistakes yeah. from themselves that, you know, they've only got themselves to blame. I think sometimes in football, everyone's very quick to blame a manager. Mm. But I think in that situation, those three goals nothing to do with Lampard that's all down to the team and just concentration you know there's, there wasn't one goal where you thought oh that's worldy or that's a really good goal like there wasn't anything there there was no quality obviously Robertson had to finish his chances and so did Barley but they're all concentration you know and errors so I think like I say everyone's very quick to just you know Lampard's in the threat but yeah alright Obviously, being a manager, you take responsibility for that. But sometimes the players have got to, you know, take that responsibility and just switch on. They're basic errors, and you can't be affording to make errors like that. You really can't. No, I mean, where would you put them in the minute, Jack? In the in the in the league, would would you still say they're a top top four side? Or I think for for me, yeah, uh, top four would probably be a bit of an ask. But I think they're capable of doing it. But mm. you know, the players like Werner, Havertz, they've. They've got to get a goal soon. 
you know, for confidence-wise, I know Havertz obviously scored a hat-trick in midweek in the Cup, but it was against a lower league opposition in Barnsley. So, you know, I think once they sort of get a goal, they'll be able to maybe find their feet a little bit and find the confidence. But I think, yeah, I think top six, top four, but so they've got to click in jail and they can't afford to make mistakes like they did in that game because if they're playing a better opposition than West Brom, you know, they'll get taken to the cleaners. Yeah. So you can't afford to do that in the Premier League. You know, the level's too high now um, and there's no margin for error. So, you know, to find yourself 3-0 around at half-time, I'm sure Frank Malpard was absolutely spitting feathers in that change room at half-time. I'd love to have been a fire on the wall and see what he, he had to make of that. But, you know, it's just basic, basic errors, really. And like I say, you can't do that in the Premier League. Yeah, I mean, let's just make uh, put it out to the to the listeners. Alex project uh, thought it was going to be a three-one scoreline. Chelsea, Jack, you predicted a four-one Chelsea, and I put down a two-one victory for West Brom. So we're nowhere near with that. Mm-hmm. Um, so let's move on to Jacko again. Jacko, for yeah. you, mate. We've got uh, another great win. They're up there, mate. Um, Everton's two-one away victory against Palace. How much did you see it? Why out? are you giving the VAR controversial ones? Is what I want to know. Because <laughs> I know you like VAR. Yeah. So I, thought, yeah. I thought I'd pin it on you. But I mean, <laughs> what, what do you make of uh, Everton, mate? They're up there. They've won the first uh, three games. They've won all three. Yeah. They've won three games. Um, I, it was quite funny because obviously I was chuckling to myself when you asked Jack if Chelsea are going to be a top four side. Mm. I think the way that Everton and Leicester are playing, I don't think they're going to be in the top four because I think those two could just run away with it at the minute. Mm. Um, yeah, I mean, they've, it's a tough result. You know, it's a tough game, place to go, play Palace. Hodgson has set up that team well. And Palace, to be fair, have, have started off well. Zaha's in goal-scoring form, which is odd because he, he never was last season. Mm-hmm. Um and, and Palace have definitely looked a good side this this season already. You know, the result against United speaks for itself. Um, so going to Palace and getting a result like that, Everton have done really really well. And you know, again, looking at the the, the footage that I've seen of it, um, it's a case of Everton have just played really really well. Yeah, I mean. Like I said, mate, I think they'll be hard to stop this year, Jacko. I mean, do you feel they can compete now with the uh, so-called top four, the likes of Man City, Liverpool? Yeah. Well, Chelsea looks poor defensively. Um, Man City looked poor defensively. Now, it could be just the fact that it was just this week, but both sides have looked poor. Jack's already alluded to Man City's defensive issues before we started this season. Mm. Um, after today's result I think those sort of fears have been cemented Um, I think they've got a chance of being in and around a Europe spot I don't think it'll be top four I think they could be in with a shout of getting a Europa League spot Mm. Um, it's just how long can Ancelotti keep their form up and the question is if they were to lose say someone like Burnley would they be able to pick up a result the week after mm. or are they going to go through a period that um, they're going to lose sort of two or three games and look like the Everton that they were last season. One thing I will say is I was a big critic of Calvert-Lewin at the start of this season, but whatever Ancelotti's done since he's been there and since after the restart of last season, 
Calvert Lewin has been in remarkable scoring form. But I don't think he was that bad last season either. You know, I, I'm I'm a massive Calvert Lewin fan, so I'm going to be more biased towards him. Yeah, I just he's still young as well. And no, I know. Yeah. And, and what had, what had got me is because of obviously, um, because they had Lukaku and Lukaku was such a beast for Everton when he was there. You had, you know, Calvert Lewin came in. Whether or not it was a replacement or it was a long-term project that they were going to do, I don't know. But when I first saw him, especially under Coombe and, and Silva, he just looked absent. He just didn't look anywhere near a Premier League footballer. Mm. But whether or not Ancelotti's changed the style of system to suit him and so that they get more use out of Calvert-Lewin. So I think the game against West Brom, he had four touches. Three of them were inside the penalty area and three of them were goals. Mm. So whether or not it's a case of, look, we're just going to play around the outside of the area, we'll then lump a ball into the box for calvert because he is good area. You saw that with some of the goals that he scored already this season. But they've also got now support outside of that, the likes of Richarlison and Rodriguez and Decore and Gomez. You know, they've, they've got so many more outlets now that they look a multi-dimensional attacking side, whereas it could have been beforehand going to be ticky-tack and try and sort of play through the defence or as it used to be with Everton we sort of have big guys in the penalty areas forwards cross it in and have them head it so yeah it's it's promising to see Everton I, I, I am a because of the history with Millwall and Tim Cahill and going to Everton and doing so well at Everton I have a soft spot for Everton I'd like to see them do well what I think would be hilarious is Liverpool have waited 30 years to win a Premier League title and Everton go and do it this season. Yeah. Just take all the thunder out of Liverpool's fucking... It'd be nice, wouldn't it? Boots, yeah. Um, I can't see it happening, to be fair. Oh, I do see Everton. I was going to say. There, there, is, think, think... there is potential for Everton <laughs> to slip up, especially with Pickford being... Got ahead of ourselves a little bit. <laughs> no, I know. <laughs> Again, I have a soft spot for Everton. But I, I just feel... I think there are sort of... Slight defensive issues with Everton. Pickford needs a bit of confidence in his game again, and he might be a little bit better. Um, I just think Everton are a good side. I don't think they're going to break the top four. I think the real test is not next week. The week after, I think they play Liverpool. So mm. I think they've got Brighton next week, and then they've got. Um, what? But see, I think I think that Brighton game will That's be. That's what I was about to say. Well. Brighton are no slouches, so it's um, two tough tests. But I think the real like test to see where they're at will be that Liverpool game because obviously in recent years those sort of Merseyside derbies have been very one-sided and Liverpool have won a lot of them so yeah. I think that's, that's your real um, sort of test to see where sort of... is, it, is it at Anfield or is it at Goodison Park? I believe it is at um, Goodison but I'm not, actually, right. it might not be The only, the only reason I yeah, asked this is I was talking yeah. about it um, before oh so it's at Goodison Yeah Because right. the only reason I say it um, don't, having a look at the Premier League fixtures, it, Jacko, because West Ham have just no. scored. <laughs> oh, really? Yeah. Okay. About ten minutes ago. Yeah. Good finish. Well, um, if that result stays the same, that will be the only home win this weekend in the Premier League so far. Yeah, it's mad, isn't it? And that I think that plays a lot into it now. Mm. You know, these results that we're seeing. Yeah, there's some of them are. are sort of expected results. I didn't expect Leicester to do what they did today. Really didn't. Um, 
I, I just think there's a lot more into that now with the fact that away sides are getting better results against some unexpected teams that you wouldn't have thought if the fans were there. Yeah, yeah. So I, I think this season might be a bit more topsy turvy than we've we've sort of anticipated. Yeah, couldn't agree more. Um, I mean, I'm I'm going to skip one game. Sorry if you're listening, it's your teams. But Burnley, Southampton, Southampton edged that out one nil. Let's move on to today's game. Uh, again, Jack, I'm moving with you with another bit of controversy in VAR. Yeah, and I'm going. I'm, I'm, going, I'm going to Spurs time. Newcastle. Talk, talk, talk me through it. Give it, to, give it to the Derby fan who doesn't want to talk about football. <laughs> Why you giving me the VAR? You like VAR, Jacko. He does. He's a VAR oh, fan. So uh, I've, I've been saying for the last three weeks, I'm getting fed up of VAR. Yeah, that's what? why we want you to have, have it, so you can get angry about it. Again. If you was Mourinho, Jacko, would you be absolutely pissed off that you haven't come away with the three points? I, 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 I sort of I had to pop out earlier, so I was waiting to see what his press conference after the match was going to be, mm. um, and it, I just sort of chuckled with how he he how he sort of composed himself talking about boxes and that Spurs have got a special box. There's a lot of innuendos in there already. Mm. Um, Spurs should have won that game comfortably before that penalty. The only reason they haven't come away with more goals and a win is because Carl Darlow was the best player on that pitch for Newcastle. Mm. The saves he pulled off in that first half, Spurs should have been four 0 up at half time. The thing is, mate, yeah, I totally agree, but how long would Darlow stay in there for? I mean, Dubravka, he'll be back soon, I think. So do you still yeah, feel I, Darlow would I, keep that spot or I don't know. it's a case of I think Dubravka is Newcastle's number one, mm. but he's now given Bruce a headache because if, if Darlow does that on a regular basis while Dubravka's absent for whatever reason. Mm. He then he then has a headache of whether or not it's Darlow or Dubravka in goal. You have to go on, the, surely go on form. I mean, if he's playing well, oh, right? that's what I mean. I, I would if you're a goalkeeper and he's played like that and he's kept, you know, he's kept a result for Newcastle. Excuse me for Newcastle. You'd want to keep him in your side. Newcastle looks really poor. Um, you know the fact that they had they had no shots on target against Brighton. They had no shots on target until Wilson converted the penalty in the 95th minute. Mm. Whatever Bruce's, whatever stall Bruce has set out the last two games, it isn't effective. Well, did you see the stats, Jack? I don't know if you caught the, the Newcastle game. Well, I, I, I watched it. And as I say, I, I saw a graphic or a stat come up that said About sh- they had shots on target one. Yeah. yeah. Where they'd had two shots on target against West Ham and they won two nil. They had no shots against Brighton on target and they lost three nil. And they had before this was obviously before the penalty, they had no shots against Spurs yeah. and they were losing. Now they've brought in a lot of what I think is decent Premier League talent mm-hmm. in Wilson and Fraser. Now whether or not Fraser was injured, I don't know because I didn't understand why he was on the bench today. Wilson. Because of how Newcastle was set out today, Wilson had nothing. He, he might as well have taken a deck chair out and parked it <laughs> in the centre circle because he did nothing. Genuinely did nothing to get the penalty at his last minute. <laughs> you know, they they went very defensive straight away. And I personally, mm. if I was Bruce, I wouldn't have done that mm. because Spurs have looked defensively awkward at times this season already 
I would have gone and put on a bit of pressure. Because if you're Newcastle and you're going away to Spurs, if it were a normal sort of match day conditions where you've got 50,000, 60,000 Spurs fans in front of you, mm. it's a free swing. Yeah, You'd rather go to Burnley and focus on getting a result there and playing as if to say, right, we'll, we'll give it a go against Spurs. Everton did it and they got a win. Mm. So let's let's sort of try and push that on. But no, he went a flat 5-4-1 and they did nothing for the entirety of the game. They you know, they changed it when Carroll came on because you had Joel Linton, you had Wilson and you had Carroll as playing a sort of like an asymmetric 4-4-2. Um, and Carroll was effective. You know, he, 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 is a, he is a presence when he comes on. Um, and it started changing the game. But I still think it wouldn't have been an issue had Spurs converted the chances they had in the first half. No, no, you're probably right, mate. I mean, what I, the question I want to ask you in all, Jacko, is uh, regarding VAR. Yeah. If yeah. the fans were in the stadium, I mean, let's have a sell-out, packed-out, Tottenham Hotspur Stadium, do you think referees then bottle it and change the decision or do they stick with it? I think because he's gone to the monitor... Mm. And he's listening to what Stockley Park have to say. I think the decision's already made up. I don't think it's a case of him bottling it um, because they would have had. But it's difficult because we've not had this situation mm. where you've got fans in the ground and the referee's got to go to the monitor. Mm. They did it a couple of times last season when there were fans in the ground, and I don't think it changed the decision. Mm. But because the the referees are sort of have been pushed to view the monitor a lot more, I, I, I don't know. I, I think you'd have to sort of ask that question when we've had fans in the ground, but uh, it won't be this season. No, no. We'll we, we'll look at him. We'll ask you that when hopefully we get the fans in next season. Yeah, definitely. Um, Jacko, uh, not Jacko. Sorry, we're going to go to Jack on this one. Jack, I know you watched it because you was moaning that you wanted to watch the game at the end of the game. But um, Man City 2, Leicester 5. I'm not going to comment. I'll let you do the comment. And what do you make of that game? Oh, because he, he's just going to spend the next hour talking about it. <laughs> Craving himself over Vardy's hat trick. Well, let me just... Why you said that, Jacko? Vardy's hat trick. Vardy's made a new record today. 15 mm-hmm. touches yep. and he got a hat trick. Yeah. I think that's some incredible um, stat now. That yeah, is. I mean, two of them are penalties. Yeah, uh, it doesn't matter. His second goal is pretty special. Right? Yeah, yeah, no, that is a I'm good goal. Right. That is a good that goal. Still, for 15 right. touches for a striker, mate, to get an hat trick. Yeah, but Cal- how many did Calvert Lewin have? And he had he got a hat trick against West Brom. Yeah, I think it was more, it was more than 15. Okay, it's been it's been announced tonight that well that was a record by Bardi. But but anyway, Jack, what do you make of it then, mate? Come on, what do you, what do you think? <laughs> Don't really want to talk about Leicester, but good afternoon. <laughs> um, Just be careful, Dino's on next. Yeah, well, I'll uh, <laughs> watch myself. No, nah, um, well, it was a surprise, put it that way. Um, when Mara scored, I thought, you know, Man City will go and win pretty comfortably. But um, there's a couple of times in the first half that Leicester sort of created like a couple of half chances and then they cut through him a bit and oh, Man City like I said like Jacko touched on earlier we've I've said it and he said it and defensively they're fragile and do you know what I think once you get at Man City they're, they're rattled pretty easily 
you know that they're, they're fairly once they're rattled you know and you get at them they're very error prone as well um i don't really understand pep's logic at times um, mm. But the fact they're four one down, and then he decides to bring the best defender in Laporte. Like I, I'm not sure why he brought him on for the last twelve minutes when the, the damage has been done. You're already four one down. Um, mm. Yeah, I mean they've got obviously got no Jesus, no Aguero, um, which is obviously a blow. Um, the midfield, you know, they don't know Gundogan etc. Garcia's playing at the back with Ake, which is somewhat fragile. Um, I think at times though, you've got a question defensively again. Like Walker, Mendy, like what are you doing? Like you don't need to make that foul. Mm. Like why you're the wrong side of your man? Why are you touching him? Get goal side yeah. and then just obviously stand him up. But you don't need to put a hand on him or try and bring him back. They're just stupid fouls to make. It's brain dead. Mm. Um, so ugh, honestly, don't know where Man City go from here. Um, obviously. You know, I don't think they had many fit players either. You looked at their bench and who they're bringing, etc. They obviously weren't. They've not got a, the strength and depth that they had because obviously people are missing, you know, through injuries or quarantine, etc. So it's it's a tricky one. It really is. But um, I hope they've just got to go again, really, and sort of try and pick themselves back up again. Um, it wasn't a result I was expecting to see. Leicester surprised me. You know, you played three, one, three. Mm. Um, possibly, you know, maybe go for that top four again. You know, I know it's obviously it's yeah, bottle it in the last game. Yeah, well, hopefully. <laughs> uh, I mean, excuse me, Dino. When you come on, mate, please uh, ignore these two. Um, Dino, Dino, <laughs> we're best friends. Football friends. But yeah, no, I'm I'm, I'm shocked at the result. Uh, to be honest, mate. Um, after the way it started, so I mean. Leicester may be a little bit of a surprise package because I didn't expect him to have a 100% record after three games. Um, I know it's only doors, but, you know, you've, you've got to fancy your chances, Greeny. You're going great yeah. guns at the minute. Yeah, mate. I'm, I'm not going to speak too much because I don't, I don't want to jeopardise their position, mate. You know what I mean? But... Uh, <laughs> It's, it's, yeah, because they're really going to be affected by an independent <laughs> fan's opinion. <laughs> this is a giant organisation, this podcast, you know. It so. is, yeah. But, no, but on a, on a serious note, mate, I didn't expect it, but definitely take that kind of result. But they've got to carry it into the next game. I know it's a cliche, what everyone says, but you know what I mean? You only play what's in front of you, mate. So, we'll on take it into the next one. game. Yeah, on to the next one and uh, hopefully another win. But, yeah, great result. Just to finish it off with the results, lads. Is uh, I'll go back to Jacko as he likes this as well. He's got the Yorkshire Derby, Jacko. Sheffield United nil leads one. Yeah, um, I watched that. Yeah, and I know in my prediction I said Leeds would win 3 2, mm. but I've no idea why I thought that because Sheffield United wouldn't have scored in a month of Sundays. Mm. There was um, all right, yes, they had a couple of chances early on in, in the game, and Meslier made two. Phenomenal saves, but that was it. Mm. That was the only time. Um, I don't think Leeds had a lot on themselves. I think there was an early chance for Ailing that Ramsdale put put saved wide. Um, you know, Bamford looked a threat at times. Rodrigo looked okay for when he came on, and then got taken off with about ten minutes to go, and I don't understand why. Um, I, I think it's a positive for Leeds because they've kept a clean sheet away from home and got a win. Mm. Sheffield United, 
I think questions are going to be asked as to where they're going to score goals because I think they've scored one or two goals this season. Yeah. Um. So at the minute they're out of form. Do you think, uh, do you think they're in big trouble, Jacko? I, I think they they need to be concerned mm. whether or not they've now figured out how to play against Wilder and his Sheffield United side. I don't know. It's a case where it could be, as the cliche is, second season syndrome, um, or it could be the fact that they just they have they haven't got the goal scoring threat at the minute because their strikers are out of form. Yeah, they haven't scored a goal yet. Yeah, they, yeah. So, yeah, they must have scored in the Carabao Cup then. Um, yeah. yeah, so, that's that's a concern. Um, I think the fact that West Brom got a point against Chelsea, Newcastle have got points and I think Newcastle could slightly struggle. I thought they were going to be alright. I think they might struggle mm. at the moment with the way they're going. Um, West Ham getting a win against Wolves if the result stays the same. It's a big blow to Sheffield United as well. And a big blow to my Acker. <laughs> yeah, I didn't do an Acker this weekend. I'm glad because I would have had Chelsea in it beating West Brom. Yeah. So that would have gone down the pan after about 10 minutes. Um, yeah, I, I'm not... I thought Sheffield United would be fine this season. They're starting to make me feel that they might struggle. Mm. But... Again, it's early days. There's only been three games. Mm. True. But they, they need a result soon because those games are going to start heaping up on them if they're not careful. Yeah, couldn't agree more, mate. Right, lads, moving on from uh, the results. I'm going to do a little... Mm. I'm, I'm going to go on to a quiz because we haven't had them for a while. Um, oh, OK. So Sorry. I'm going to test you here, lads. <laughs> so, have you got the right answer? Have, is the first I have indeed. I've got, Are you sure it's the second question? <laughs> 100% I've got it right. Now, today's question, lads, is no. can you name me the top most goals scored by a player? So, all in all, the top the top 10. What leagues are we talking about? Premier League stat. So, I'll let Jacko go first. Oh. Thierry Henry. Hold on, Jack's no longer with us. <laughs> oh, OK. Um, That's, yeah, he's realised the quiz and gone, yeah. oh, I don't know. You about know what he's done? He's logged off to quickly jump on Google, hasn't he? Uh, I hope not. <laughs> he's, he's gone. I mean, why why he's gone, Jacko? Oh, he's back. Apologies, boys. Then I was happy. Well, welcome to our Well, oh, you doing a bit of research quickly before the, the quiz? Yeah, I just had a quick Google, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> So, Jacko, you said, uh, who did you say? Thierry Henry. Thierry Henry is correct. He is number six in the chart. He scored uh, 175 goals. Greeny, what's the question, mate? I missed it after I've been chucked out. So, sorry, mate. It's the top 10 uh, most goals scored in the Premier League overall. Oh, and Jacko's gone one with Henry. Henry. Yeah, he's yeah. six in the, in the uh, table. All right. Uh, Alan Shearer. Alan Shearer is top of the pile. And he got 260 goals. Down to you, Jacko. Wayne Rooney. Wayne Rooney is there. He's second on the table. And he scored 208 goals. Down to you, Jack. Yeah, so I thought West Ham had scored a second, but Funhouse is is Mr. Sitter. (laughs) (laughs) 
live commentary on our podcast. Yeah, exactly. Folks. Just it won't mean anything if you're listening to this 10 months down it the line. <laughs> Four Nails is literally just Mr. Sitter from about seven <laughs> yards out. Um, Rooney Henri Shearer. Uh, Harry Kane. Harry Kane is not on the list. No, I thought he, he was he's, he, he's 12th with 144. Oh, I thought he'd be on there. Jacko could take the lead here. Frank Lampard. He's, Frank already, Lampard. he's already taken the lead. He's 2 1 up. Yeah, but I mean, a big lead. Frank Lampard is on the list. He's number fifth in the table with 177 goals. 3 1. And you've named four out of 10. I'm genuinely struggling a little bit already. <laughs> it's actually concerning. When you first told me he was top 10, I was like, yeah, piece of piss, easy. <laughs> Um, I'm sure Jacko's got a few more in, up in his head there. Might do. Yeah, he's not letting on much. Robbie Keane? Robbie Keane is not on the list. He's 15th on the list with 126 goals. I'm doing a fantastic job of picking the top 20. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Between 10 and 20. Down to Jacko. Take a 4 1 lead here. Ian Wright. Ian Wright is a good one. He is not on the list. He's 19th with 113 goals. Oh, okay. Back to Jack. I'm trying to think of like an out and out both then. Like, who literally both goals for fun? There's so many that are clearly obvious, but we're just not thinking of them. Yeah, there's a very mm. obvious one what I thought you would have picked first up, but you didn't. Oh, I thought it was more normal. Um, thought Neves. Focus. Focus. Sorry, thought Neves has scored. Um, focus, focus. Who can we pick? Torres? Nah. Fernando is not on the list. Nah. He's not even in the top 20. Absolute stinker. <laughs> oh, wow. Um, I'm going to go with Sergio Aguero. Sergio is on the list. He's number, <laughs> he's number four Obviously. with oh, 180 Jacko's goals. Pulled out, the, pulled out two, four, and five, and six. Get in. <laughs> Jacko sure. has now got a 4-1 lead and you've picked there's five out of ten there. Number five to go. Jack, you Wait, can still which win. Numbers have we, which numbers have we picked, you've picked out of ranking out? You've of got out of, out of ten, you have got left four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten. So you've got number one correct, number two correct, Number five, number four, number six. number six. So you've got three, seven, eight, nine, and ten. Oh, wow. Jacko's got a 4 1 lead. I need to get all of them right, otherwise, all. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Pretty much to win. Uh, yeah. yeah. Oh, this is harder than it. Look. Um. Um, if you are listening to this podcast, uh, we are still on live. Yeah, we are. <laughs> yeah. You're, pro- you're probably shouting at the phone thinking, yeah, I can name them top ten. Yeah, yeah. Like... Everyone's <laughs> by now. We're sat there going, oh, I can't think. Yeah, who's those Muppets in the podcast? <laughs> Sorry, Dino, we will get you on eventually, mate. Look at him plugging away. <laughs> oh, love you, Dino. <laughs> Um, if, if not, I'm going to pass it over, Jack. I'm going to just go for a pun, but I know it ain't right. Nicholas and, Nicholas and Elka, definitely not. It is a great 
answer, but it's 16th in the chart. Yeah, not, I think 125 goals. Jack, if you get this, Jack Oso, if you get this, you are the winner. Robin Van Persie. Robin Van Persie is not on the list. He's 12th. Oh. Oh. Right, Jack, I'm going to give you a little clue. I need oh, what? The clue is oh, the clue is Redemption song. We need Bob Marley he, in the background. He played for Man United. That's yes. your clue. Andy Cole? Correct, he's third on the list. Come on. Oh, 187 on goals. Come on. So Jack gets that, so it's now four two. Istanbul. Istanbul is happening. Six out, six out of ten, four to go. Jack, I'll give you a little hint. He doesn't need any hints. He played for Newcastle, and he also played for Man United, and he went to. He's also played for Real Madrid. Oh, I've got it. Michael Owen. Michael Owen is correct. He's ninth on the list. Add him in my head as well. One hundred and fifty goals to Jacko as Owen. I've won it. Then. You have won. I'll tell you the uh, other one. Oh, no. No, I haven't actually. Hold on, because it's five two. One two. And there's three left. Yeah, you are correct. It's five two with three left. Jack, here we go. Jack, I'll give you a clue. He played for Liverpool. No. Just uh, think of prolific goal scorer for Liverpool. I hope to fuck you don't get this. Luis Suarez. <laughs> Incorrect. Oh, you. Robbie Fowler. Jacko is the winner. Ah. Robbie Fowler, 163 goals, seventh in the league. Jacko does can win I, this week's quiz. Can I have a pop at the other two? Yeah, go for it. Eighth and tenth. Dennis Bergkamp? No. Peter Crouch? No. Lukaku? No. Les Ferdinand? Drogba? Les Ferdinand is on the list at ten. Yeah. Oh, won't be... Well, I, I said Drogba. You've only got number eight left. He's scored 162 goals. I'll give you a clue. He's played for Pompey. He's played for Rangers. Jermaine Defoe. Oh, it is indeed. So this week, Jacko is the quiz champ. I'm hoping Jack would do uh, a quiz next week. I'm flexing my guns right now. These swans are sick. They need to go to the vet. <laughs> just to, uh, I'm just going to wrap it up near enough, boys. I'm just going to do Something really quick. It's just a little bit of transfer. News. Oh, we're not we're not going to be discussing League One or Championship football then. I was going to leave that to the live actually, due to because we had Dino on. But we can discuss Let's a couple go. if you want to discuss it. Nah, it's all right. Well, I'll I'll sort it out. It's my turn this week. Yeah, you I'll s- make it the professional. Yeah, you sort out that. Um, just really, lads, just to finish it off, a bit of uh, transfer goss. So uh, West Ham obviously put in a bid for Fafana. And uh, what do you make of that move? Do you reckon he'll go, or do you think Leicester will come back in with a quick bid, Jacko? Because obviously Leicester have put a bid in as well. Uh, I think if he's got any sense, they they Leicester would match it. And if he's got, if the player's got any sense, he'd go to Leicester. Well, the only issue is what um, obviously the old Claude Puel's at the club at Saint Etienne, where he's coming from. So I don't know if he's pulling a few strings on that. But Leicester are not prepared to match what West Ham are putting. Well, Le- Leicester are needing a centre-back. Now, they're not budging against Tarkowski because they said that he's, by the time his contract runs out at Leicester, he's going to be too old to sort of 
you know, recuperate some of the fee that they would pay for him. Yeah. If if Leicester if Leicester are desperate to sign a centre off, they'll go out and pay for one. I think what it is a case of they're trying to sort of. Uh, United have been quoted as doing the same sort of thing. They're waiting until the last minute and then putting a bid in mm. because then it means, you know, they either take the money that they've offered or the player stays there and he may get unhappy, may be unhappy because he's not gone. Mm. Yeah, yeah. I mean, uh, Jack as well, um, another thing what's been bombing around is um, Dan James from United. Leeds obviously want him on loan. He's saying he don't want to leave. He wants to fight for a spot. What do you think would be the best option for him? Do you reckon he can get in that squad, or do you think going to Leeds for a season might pay off? Yeah, go to Leeds, mate. Um, in my eyes, that you know he's not really hit the heights of that transfer. Really, there's people that are a lot better than him ahead of him. So personally, I don't. He wouldn't get in my team. Um, probably struggle to get on the bench, really. So I think go to somewhere like Leeds. Would he get in at Leeds though? Really, with the squad they've got, you know, they've got. You know, he wouldn't be a bad addition. To have. No, no, he'd, 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 he'd have to get Helder Costa a run for his money, and Helder Costa started off really well. Yeah, no, I think he probably would, you know, start or play a lot. He play a lot more than he is at United, that's for sure. Mm. Um, you know, you've got people like Greenwood and Rashford ahead of him who are miles better than him. So and potentially Sancho. And Sancho, yeah. So I think mm. you know, especially when you're young, you need to hit game time, and then. There's also a big thing in football, and that's confidence. Yeah. You know, his confidence clearly isn't that high at the minute. At game time and getting minutes in, and you know, playing well, and just just going through the basics, and just you know, playing and doing the right thing. You know, you build your confidence up, and then you can go from there. When you're a confident player, you're capable of doing pretty much anything. So, you know, yeah. I, I just think for both parties, United and Leeds, it would be a good move for Dan James. I know he obviously wants to stay there at United, but I feel like that could. You know he's probably not giving himself the best chance to get uh, get in game time there because I just don't think he he really he's just not good enough. You know, really considering you've got Greenwood, like I say, Rashford, potentially Sancho. You know they're oh, they're clearly better than him. You know their streets better than him. Yeah, yeah, fair cop. I mean, I'm going to do a couple more before we go on to part two, lads. Um, mm-hmm. Deli Ali, Jacko. Obviously left out of yeah. the squad again today. Yeah. He got left out previous game. Is this yeah. the end for him now at Spurs, or do you feel that he might get another shot, depending on injuries, or or would you feel um, it's best for him to leave and go elsewhere? Oddly enough, there's been a lot more talk of this since the documentary came out, mm. because in that Mourinho claimed that he was a lazy trainer. Now, whether or not he's expected a response from Ali in light of that and Ali's just gone Sodger I don't care I'm getting paid a lot of money here I'm quite happy I, I don't think that's the mentality he should have but it has happened in the past so I, I think Mourinho is sort of saying to him be prepared to go um, whether or not the PSG well if he goes to PSG he's going to win titles whether or not they're of the same calibre as the Premier League is a matter of opinion. Um, I, I think it won't. I think it'll just be it'll be a bit like the Bale situation around Madrid. They'll win a, they'll win La Liga, they'll win Liga every year. Um, personally, I, I can't see PSG not winning it. Um, 
So whether or not he's prepared to sort of fight for his place or someone in a better league than France takes a punt at him, I don't know. I, I personally think his time is up at Spurs, but it's now down to how he wants to play it, really. Yeah. I think it wouldn't be, it wouldn't be bad if he did leave, to be fair. Um, Jack... But where would he go in uh, the Premier League, though? Yeah, uh, <laughs> not nowhere, nowhere massive. I, I highly doubt Guardiola would touch him. I think the only, I think if you know it didn't sign Sancho, maybe they'll take Delhi. Yeah, but then Solskjaer came out with his statement the other day saying, um, "It's not my job to sort of make players happy and make sure they train hard. I'm going to pick the squad that I feel is best, and if they, it's down to them to do it." Mm. So I think that says it in itself how what he thinks of players who just sort of doss about while they're training. Don't know. Mm, that's true. I've just got a couple. Um, run over a couple quick. Jack. Another one is Fulham closing on Lookman deal. Um, obviously, they want to sign Lookman on a loan deal from Leipzig. Do you think it'll be a good addition to the Fulham squad? Yeah, um, Derby were linked with him a couple of years ago actually on loan before he went to Leipzig. Um, yeah. Obviously, attractive place, really German football for you know English youngsters. Then they tend to you know pick him up and, and make him better players. Um, yeah, I, th- I think it's not a bad move. Um, he's quite direct, you know. He's quite tricky. Um, give give some good competition for you know Knockart and Cavalero and people like that. Um, is he good enough for the Premier League though? Probably the only question, you know. Um, mm. I'm not sure he's pulling up trees at Leipzig. Um, didn't really hear much of him. So that that would be my only, you know, criticism. Is he is he really good enough for the Premier League? You know. Um, yeah. But I don't think it's necessarily a bad transfer. It's just a case of can he prove himself, at, at, you know, in the Prem. Yeah. I, I personally think just quickly on that, I think that's the wrong thing that Fulham are looking at. Personally. I think they need to look at their defence more than what's going forward because if they if they're leaking goals at the rate that they are, mm. um, I don't think scoring goals will be an issue. It'll be staying up on goal difference, personally. Yeah, you've got a good point there. Um, I mean, just to finish off part one, lads, before we move on and bring Dino in, um, Jacko, just to finish yeah. it off, mate. Yeah. Um, Chef United looking to sign Dan Sturridge. He's a free agent after leaving Tran Tran Spore. What, yeah. what? What? I mean, what do you make of that? It's a weird, bizarre move. Oddly enough, I, I, I do that. Mm. Uh, they need, they need a Premier League goal scorer. Now the question is, will Sturridge, a, be fit enough to play consistently, and b, will his personal stuff that's gone on over the last sort of, couple of seasons, will that sort of be an effect on him, or will he be able to overcome it? Mm. That's the sort of thing. That's the sort of Premier League striker that I think team like Sheffield United or Fulham or you know Burnley would look at as, as a good bit of business because he knows the league. He's scored goals at Chelsea, at Man City, at Liverpool. Mm. You know, you, you know, you look back at that Liverpool side, you had him, Sterling and Suarez and they were the best three attackers in the league. Mm. So, yeah, OK, he's getting on a little bit now, but I still think he'd be a good sign. And I, I think that's that that would be a good bit of business for Sheffield United. But it's whether or not his personality will be a fit for Sheffield United or his ego will just be too big to fit through the door. 
Yeah, exactly. I couldn't. I couldn't say it any better, mate. To be fair, be a good sign if you like. You said keep him fit, and he'll bag you some goals. You might even, yeah. might be a difference of keeping Sheffield United in the Prem. Yeah, yeah. Um, just before we obviously go to part two, and before Dean comes on, lads, I just like. Well, have we got someone coming on the pod or something? We have. Because <laughs> that's only like the three hundredth time you've mentioned it. Well, we have, but I've got something even more special. We have now officially got a sponsor as well for our pods. Um, which is Dean Hammond Elite Fitness. So, <laughs> of course, it is. <laughs> a massive thanks for uh, Dean for the sponsor. Yeah, um, no, brilliant. Thank you, Dean. Yeah, it's great stuff. Um, and obviously, we'll plug that, lads. Obviously, Boon TV Dean Hammond Elite Fitness. Get on it. Get subscribed mm. to his page because it's fantastic. I'm sure you'll hear a lot more in part two. So uh, stick with us and join us in part two. Welcome back to part two with me, Greeny, Jacko and Jack and my special guest, Dean Hammond. You alright, Dean? I'm very well, mate. How are we, gentlemen? All right? Very yeah, well. Very good. All good. All good. Firstly, mate, just like to say a big thanks for coming on, Dean. It's a pleasure. Oh, um, all, my, all my pleasure, mate. All my pleasure. Great stuff. What I want to kick off by, Dean, obviously you're now into the fitness and nutrition side. Just want to talk a bit on that firstly, mate. I mean... How much of a change has it been in the game since like years back when it weren't so well known as in like the nutrition side and the fitness side? Huge. I mean, it's, it, it, from when I was be- when I first begin began my career and when I was playing as a youngster and even probably my mid twenties, you know, nutrition and and fitness was part of football, but it wasn't um, in so much detail. It wasn't such a huge part. Um, but come towards the end of my career, and especially when I was playing for for bigger clubs like Southampton and Leicester, um, you know, nutrition and um, fitness was was so important because footballers turn into athletes. You know, mm. you, you had to spend time in the gym. You had to do extra sprint stuff. There was lots of tests. Sports science within football became bigger and bigger. Um, and then the foods, the, every club put chefs in. They made the canteens bigger. Um, you had nutritionists, you had diet, dietitians coming in, you had to be monitored, your body fat was checked, your weight was checked. Um, so you, it, turned, it just made the game a lot more professional. You couldn't get away with the, um, the big drinking days, you know, the, the all-day drinking days on the Sundays. And, um, they got cut out of the game. And it especially changed probably when the foreign players came into this country and the foreign yeah. managers because... Uh, it's always been bigger abroad. Um, it's very, it's huge now, obviously, in the Premier League because it's a global sport and a global business. But when the foreign players started coming over, they brought all their routines, their habits, their traditions with them. Um, and you can see what quality they, they brought over as players. And um, the English players had to adapt and had to learn. And it's a huge part of the game now. Yeah, I mean, was it, was it hard for you to adapt, Dean, at the time when it, when it came in or, did, or not? It was different, Greeny. It was different. Mm. You know, you know, no one really likes change. You're all set yeah. in your old habits and you enjoy what you do. But it was one of those where if I saw a player was excelling, was doing very well, I would be interested to see why he was doing so well. So yeah. if, he's, if, you know, if he was eating better or he was eating different things or he was doing different fitness um, regimes or um, extra stuff in the gym, I would be thinking, right, I need to do that because I want to improve as a player. Um, mm. So... 
it's something that you you just have to embrace as a player if you want to continue playing at a high level you just have to you have to change um and the club started enforcing it you know you do X, when I first started playing, you'd only train for an hour and that and that yeah. would be it. You know, you'd be out on the pitch, you'd have a little warm-up and you'd do all ball work. But then mm. you do by the end of my career, you was doing a warm-up before a warm-up. So you was warming up <laughs> for the warm-up. Then you would train, then you would gym, then you would have all recovery um, practices in place. And then you might have a second session in the afternoon. So, no, I enjoyed it. I always enjoyed change um, because... Mm. You know, I knew fitness was such a big part of my game, so I knew I had to be good at it. Yeah, I mean, do they still do they do all this nutrition and fitness even in the academies now, Dino, or is it when you really get to the major first teams? It is when you get to the major first team, more when you go full time, Greeny. So from when right. you go from sixteen to to eighteen, from eighteen to the twenty three to twenty three to the first team, it's it's all there for you. It's monitored because you, you're there full time. So they can really implement what you eat, when you eat, um, how you train, when you train. Um, but they do give you guidance through the academy. So I think players now, they sign from, I don't know, eight, nine years old at academies, yeah. which is very, very young. But they do, you're more then managing the parents than the actual yeah. kids because obviously the parents put the food on the table. The parents encourage the the um, players when to train, how to train. Um, so I wouldn't say there's a, a regime or an actual program for them, but mm. I think they get lots of tips and guidance as they come through the system. Yeah, I mean, obviously you said it's a big part of the game now. I mean, obviously when you when you sign for a new club, Dino, and then you go to a other medical, what does it? What does the medical actually consist of? <laughs> it depends how much money the club are paying for a player. <laughs> when I was having medical, it probably wasn't too much. <laughs> but, um, yeah, when I, it's, it's a lot now. You know, if a club pays a lot of money for a player, they will they will have a full body, a full history of the the player's injuries from previous clubs. So they have the reports from the previous clubs, which they will check. Um, they will have their own scans. They will have their own checks from the physio they, and the doctor. Um, they will probably get an independent doctor as well to look at the um, information and look at the player. You'll have to do some fitness tests that you need to pass as well. Um, and they'll probably just look at your background um, in terms of, you know, it's so big now, the money they spend. They will mm. look into your background as a person as well. They'll go on your social media account. They'll speak to people that know you in the game. Because the money that players and um, clubs are spending on players is so big now, you can't yeah. take that gamble. So, yeah, medicals are really, really in-depth now. They really want to... And it, it needs to be as well because the game's played at such a high tempo now and such a speed that the body, if your body's not healthy and not fit and there's something wrong with you, it's important that it's checked because you're playing it, you're putting your body under so much stress. If you do have a heart problem or something in your body... It needs to be monitored. It needs to be checked. Otherwise, there can be consequences. So, yeah, the medicals are a lot, lot more in depth than when I played. When I just turn up and <laughs> I do a few, stre- <laughs> a few a few stretches, check them all right, and off you go. So, <laughs> it's, it's, uh, Sunday league standards. Yeah, it's, it's a little bit different now, mate. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, uh, obviously now after you've come out of the game, Dino, you've done a lot on nutrition and, uh, and fitness on uh, lockdown. I mean, how much has that changed your life? doing this sort of stuff compared to the football inside massively massively because i had it was a challenge when i finished playing you know trying to find my Mm. way in the world again and trying to find some 
um, my identity again and trying to find a bit of routine and structure for myself. So really getting back into my fitness, really um, dedicating myself to my fitness again has, has been a blessing for me. I, I've loved it. And it's given me real structure in my life. It's given me routine that I can, you know, I base my life around fitness now. I make it an important part of my day that I will always exercise. One, because it makes me feel physically better. And two, because it, it, it makes me mentally feel better. I have a clearer mind. I make better decisions when I've exercised. Um, and obviously with the, the food, it's your, what you're putting in your body. The fuel you're putting in your body is so, so important because it's how you function. You know, you wouldn't put petrol in a diesel diesel car and you wouldn't put diesel in a petrol car because you just wouldn't run properly. And I'm very fortunate that my wife is um, she's very, yeah, she's very, she's very, <laughs> she's very into her food. She's passionate mm. about her food um, because of the children mainly. But it's rubbed off on me and we've tried all different diets. You know, we tried the vegan diet, which, you know, we're probably 50% vegan now. So we eat a lot less meat. So, yeah, it's really, really changed my life. But I can honestly say it's changed my life um, for the positive. I feel much, much better in myself and physically. Um, if, you know, I'd love, I feel as though I could probably play football again. I probably couldn't, <laughs> but uh, I feel very, very fit again, yeah. I'll ring uh, Brendan after this, Dean. <laughs> I'm, not sure they, I'm not sure they need me after today's result. <laughs> um, I mean, obviously, like you said, it makes you mentally strong, Dean, by doing all this uh, fitness and nutrition. I mean, um, obviously, it's hard for me to get motivated to do it. What do you say to people to get motivated to buy into the fitness and nutrition? You've got to start, Greeny. So it's like mm. anything you do. You've got to start. You know, you've got to be, and I always say, set yourself a goal. So that, have a target. So you, you know what you're focusing on and find out why you're wanting to change or why you're wanting to exercise or eat healthy again. Is it because you're a dad and you want to have more time with your children? Is mm. it because you want to be fitter so you've got more energy for your children? I know that's a massive thing for me yeah. that I will yeah. exercise first thing in the morning. So I've got the rest of the day, whatever that entails, I'll have more energy because I'm physically fitter and, and mentally fitter. So I've got, you know, I'm less stressful, I suppose, because I'm under less stress. And I get it done in the morning. So then how, whatever happens in the day, I've got time for my children. So it's finding out why you want to get fit. It's not like just this day and age, right? Let's all be fit and let's all be healthy. Yes, it's important, but you need to find out why you're going to do it and it, that, and then once you have that, that's your motivation. That's what inspires you. Because no matter if you love fitness, if you love eating healthy, you're going to have days where you don't want to do it. It's just yeah. natural. As a human being, you're going to wake up one, some days and go, I don't want to do this today. I don't feel tired. I feel low. I'm going to give it a miss. But if you've got that reason, if you've got that inspiration, you'll just do it. And now I have days where I love fitness, Greeny. I absolutely yeah. love it. But I have days where I don't want to do it. But the difference is... I will still do it. So yeah. find a reason why you want to get healthier. And if that's, like I said, Grinny, you're a dad. If you if yeah. you want to get, you know, think, well, actually, I want to be able to run around more with my kids. I want to be able to play mm. football with my kids. I want to be more present with my kids because I'm not stressing because I'm fitter and I think well, I've got to exercise in the evening, get it done in the morning. So find mm. out why you want to get fitter, mate. That would be my advice. I think you've hit it on the head, mate. Obviously, seeing my lad now play football, and stuff like that it makes you makes you think a bit more, Dean, don't it? Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, yeah, I, I want to still be going when I'm fifty, mate, kicking the football. Exactly. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. 
whether that's for 10 minutes or an hour. And you don't have to do a lot, Greeny. It's, it's mm. like, you know, the fitness platform I have, it's 30 minutes four times a week. So yeah. anyone that says I haven't got 30 minutes, I'm not calling anyone a liar or I'm saying it's wrong. But, you know, mm. I will choose, I will 100% choose 30 minutes to do exercise rather than watch 30 minutes of TV, rather yeah. than 30 minutes of going on my phone, rather than 30 minutes going having a pint with my mates. That should, mm. I, I choose that as a life choice. But everyone mm. has got time. It's just... It's what you're willing to sacrifice for it. And again, it's what you're, why you're doing it. And now if you want to see, you want to play football with your son, you want to see your son play football, you want to join in, and, you've got, and you want to be fit to do that, there's your reason, mate. There's your yeah. reason straight away to make that little change. And you don't have to do a lot. Everyone says you've got to get a gym membership, you've got to do this. Do it at home three times a week, you'll see a huge difference. You just have to be patient with it. I think that's the thing as well, Dino. I mean, obviously, I joined you in lockdown with your fitness sessions, and it was fantastic. And then uh, my last, I oh, joined the gym, Greeny. I'm not the type of person, Dino, what will go to a gym. Yeah, I don't like people staring at me. And when when you yeah. were running that session, I felt comfortable. Yeah, does that make I mean, sense? So that's a massive thing, Greeny, for some people. They don't feel mm. they don't feel comfortable. I don't think many that many people do feel comfortable in a gym because there's so many eyes on you. There's so many yeah. egos in a gym. Yeah. No, everyone wants to look good in the gym. Yeah, I he's mean, lifting 50k and you're only lifting 10. Yeah, but that's, yeah. you know, that's everyone's different. But I mean, even like when I went to the gym, I felt anxious, to be honest, because I would like to go to the gym, do my work and leave. And some people mm. use the gym, rightly or wrongly, as a, a social event. You know, they'll go there, yeah. have a good chat. But yeah, a lot of people can be intimidated by gyms. But you, I'm not saying you don't need gyms. Gyms have a place, but... Yeah. To get fit and healthy, you can do that from home. You can do that in your garden. You can do it in your living room. You can do it wherever you want. 30 minutes a day of just getting the heart rate up, uh, moving your body, doing different exercises, body weights. You, you don't even need equipment, really. Just to, it'll, you'll, you'll see a big change very, very quickly. Yeah, I like that. I mean, also, mate, on the mental side of it as well, Dino, I mean, people who do suffer, I don't know, with anxiety and depression, Maybe that would be a good cure for them as well by doing something like this. 100% green. I mean, I've had my ups and downs since playing football. I had my ups and downs when I was playing football. You know, it's, that, yeah. that's just from, from life. And we all have them periods. And, you know, exercise, I honestly believe if you can exercise and make it part of your habits and your routines will really help your mental side, will really help your mental strength. Because one thing it does, green, it, it builds resilience. You know, yeah. if you if you if you become fit and strong, and you do it consistently, you'll become resilient. You'll become stronger as a person. You'll think clearer. I know when I go for a run, I'll have mm. some of my best ideas or best thoughts when I'm running, because yeah. you're you're free. You're you're living in the moment. You're having to run. You're having to put your body through stress. You're having to exercise. The heart rate's up. It just kind of clears your mind. It clears the fog that you're yeah. thinking about and you'll have some really good ideas. So I would recommend anyone that's feeling low, feeling negative about life, one thing that they should try and introduce their life is exercise, but regular exercise. And it doesn't have to be extreme. It can yeah. just be moving that body for 30 minutes, different exercises, body exercises, in the comfort of their own home, and they will see a change. Yeah, I can agree more, mate. I mean... Another thing as well, Dino, is means obviously my little lad Leighton joined you in, in the uh, lockdown doing his <laughs> thing, and now he look he looks up to that what you've done, Dink. He does it most most days. And, Brilliant. Uh, I've noticed a change in behaviour. I mean, it might sound strange to you, but 
since he's been doing that and playing football, he's changed. Brilliant. Whereas obviously schools now don't do it like they used to do it, mate. It's all this and that. Do you know what I mean? It's not competitive. It's not this. It's yeah. not that. Yeah. And since he has been, like I said, he's, since he's been doing it, mate, his attitude's been spot on. And it, it it can give it can give kids it can give adults it can give anyone it can give you focus because you've got something that you know you're going to do on them certain days. That's what I mean about structure. So yeah. on a Tuesday, Wednesday, Friday, and Sunday, I know that I'm exercising with how many ever people are on my membership, my subscription, my fitness page. I'm exercising with them, so I've got a responsibility to put on a performance for them to be uh, organised, to be prepared. You know, and your son doing that off his own back is brilliant. It's probably giving him focus. You know, he's learning. Mm. He's getting fitter within his body and his mind. He's got focus because he's practicing his ball skills. And then mm. he's got focus because he probably wants to become a better footballer. So he's got less distractions to play up, if that makes sense. Yeah, I think it's uh, he can brag to his schoolmates and all that. He's done it with Dean Amos. But... <laughs> 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 I mean, uh, Jacko, you had a, a question for Dean, didn't you? Yeah, uh, one of our our lads kindly sent an email, Dean. Um, he was asking about. Let me just get the email. Uh, what's your ideal preparation for a match day? Ideal preparation for a match day on the day of the match. You actually think so? Waking up on the day of the game. Yeah, so yeah, about an hour, maybe hour and a half before the game. Well, I'll, I'll go. I'll go even deeper than that, Jacko. I'll go. So if we work on a Saturday morning, let's say it's a three o'clock kickoff, um, yeah. I would always wake up early. Um, when I was playing, I would see I do something maybe different to the players. Some players do, some players don't. Some players might do it, they just don't admit it. Um, I would journal. So in the morning, I do something journal where I just write my thoughts down on paper, how I'm feeling about the game, what I would like to achieve from the game personally and on a team um, basis as well. Um, I then have some breakfast, which would always would have been porridge and fruit. Um, I'd always uh, followed by some, obviously some water because you need to be hydrated. Um, yeah. Then I would probably spend half an hour, 40 minutes with the kids just to feel as though I've, I've been a dad and I can take my mind off football. Then I would go for yeah. a walk, um, a long walk on my own and kind of listen to some music that I love and just get out in the fresh air. Um, then I would come back and have my pre-match meal about um, three hours before kickoff. So I'd eat about 12 o'clock. Um, and then get ready, and then I'd, you'd have to be at the ground about one, half past one, um, be in the yeah. dressing fast one, half past one for um, your team talk. So a lot in the morning on, on a Saturday before a game, I'd be pretty selfish because I'm preparing for a game. Um, yeah. But I would just try and clear my – I'd obviously try and eat the right things. I've got a lot of energy, and I'd try and clear my mind of the game where I'm not thinking about it too much, getting anxious and nervous. I just feel prepared, nice and relaxed. So when I get to the stadium, I'm focused to play the game. Okay, brilliant. Thank you. Well, Phil, if you're listening, hopefully you are. Um, thanks for your email. And hopefully Dean's giving you some insight there. Um, for me personally, I, as you as you went through your career, how did training and preparation, match preparation and fitness differ for you? Because obviously with the sort of roles you had in uh, both for Southampton and Leicester, they were quite active roles for the for the club. So how how did that change for you as you got as you got on in age playing football? <laughs> yes. It's, it's a, it's, you know what, Jack? I'm trying, I'm trying to word it by saying no, you're, not, no. you're not that old. How did you get on? <laughs> no. 
And why I'm laughing, because it's a really good question. It was probably one of my downfalls in my career, actually. So I was always one that worked hard, really hard in training every day, really concentrating mm. on training, put my body um, to its maximum every day, which when you're younger, you can do. I was, you know, I, I, would, I would train as I played. So, and that was very much, let's take Leicester for an example. Leicester was, the training sessions were pretty short, but they were sharp and they were intensive. I thought you were going to go somewhere else. Yeah. No, 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 definitely not because we were successful. Um, but no, they were short, but they were really, really te- in- intensive and really high tempo. So they were played at match pace, which was brilliant. Um, and I really, really enjoyed that. But when I got towards the end of my career, I continued to train like that. And I didn't allow myself to adapt. So I could, yeah. I did, my body couldn't recover quick enough. I started yeah. picking up a few injuries. When I came back, I tried to make myself even fitter. So then I'd pick up another injury. Um, and then because, for example, when I was at Sheffield United, I wasn't performing that well individually. And as a team, we weren't winning games. There was a lot of pressure on us. I would work even harder. And then it would come to a match day and I was knackered. You know, I'd put so much into training, but I was shattered when it came to a Saturday, which is the most important day. You get some players that hardly do anything during the week, but then they're fantastic on a Saturday. And I think you need to be, you need to adapt that towards your end of your career. But, you know, during the career, lots of different things came in. You know, the gym became more appropriate for players that would work on weight sessions on their upper body and lower body. Core sessions became very important. And one thing that changed in the game that was massive was recovery. You know, ice baths, um, compression, um, skins, um, the cryo chambers, which are absolutely freezing but made you feel a million dollars, massage, treatment. They came a huge part of the game. Um, Just quickly, one more. Um, Well, about the fitness side of it. Were there any sort of the managers that you played under that sort of focused more on the fitness side of it teams? Because I know what you said as you went through your career, it became more apparent of the fitness and nutrition side of it. Were there sort of any gaffers that really sort of took that straight from the off or did they sort of develop it into their, into that side of it the further along they went? I wouldn't say that any manager I played on was any more focused on the fitness side of the game than another one because it was really, yeah. really important and most teams are at the same level. What I would say when I worked at South, when I played at Southampton, for four years under Nigel Atkins that, mm. you know, him being a previous physio, he was very aware of um, how much distance you covered in training, how hard you worked in training during the week. You would yeah. be, you'd have to wear heart rate monitors. You'd have to wear GPS monitors that would track how many sprints you did, how much distance you covered, um, how much time you spent on the pitch, how much time you spent in the gym. So, your your training load became very monitored, and you would work. You'd have to work to a certain percentage and a certain um, amount. And you know, if you overwent on that, sometimes during training, he would pull players out of training because he's like, "You've worked yeah. hard enough today. I don't want you to work any harder. You've reached your numbers. You've reached your maximum. I need you fresh for a Saturday." So he was very good at that, and he used a lot of technology early on before other clubs were doing it. And I think that was one of the reasons why we were successful at Southampton because we just had yeah. that little edge over other people. Because that was the era, that was the sort of era where you'd gone into League One, wasn't it? Yes. And then sort of went through that spate of just getting promotions, a bit like Leicester. Yeah. Later on in the season, what was that sort of mentality like from 
a sort of player's point of view that Southampton had obviously gone through those situations where they were forced to play lower league football and then they've they've had near almost sort of meteoric rise back to the top flight of England, English football. Well, it was brilliant because they treated, when we, even when we was in League One, the club was treated as a Premier League football club. So yeah. we would do everything as a Premier League club would do. And I'm not talking about finances. I'm not talking about spending money. I'm talking about how we would prepare, um, yeah. how we would treat each other. Example, bringing uh, more sports scientists in to, to monitor the, the training, to really work on the fitness of the players, to work on the nutrition. So even in League One, we had the facilities of a Premier League club um, yeah. But that was down to, you know, hard work. But it was fantastic. You know, when we was in yeah. League One, there was a lot of pressure on us in League One because we were a big club. Mm. Um, and we, we got out of the, that as runners-up uh, behind Brighton. But then going into the Championship, it was... I remember we had a, a team meeting um, the first day back for pre-season with the manager. And he was like, we're getting promoted this year. And we were like, OK, that's, we, we like mm. the ambition um, and we believe in you. But he was so passionate and so adamant the way he said it we just believed him um yeah. you know we had the momentum coming up from league one and you've got to remember we had fantastic players some of the players at the football club were premier league players already they hadn't played in the premier league but that you no. the quality they had and it was just we just built that momentum where we scored goals we won games got into a rhythm got into a stride and then just continued you know had another promotion straight away um mm. but it was brilliant you know playing for a club like that um in uh, down south and having two promotions in a row was was fantastic, Dino. Obviously, I'm conscious of time, so I'm just going to do a couple, add a couple more in. Um, one of the questions I wanted to ask you, mate, um, was obviously what we eat and what we drink provides fuel for us to train, play, and recover yeah. from training. Um, but what I want to know is what is the best type of fuel? Oh, that's a good question, Greeny, because it depends on the individual. Because you can you can have lots of you know, lots of people on different diets now. You know, I mentioned the vegan diet, gluten-free diets. Some people um, eat a lot of meat. Some people eat pasta, don't eat pasta, eat rice. So that, that it's a really tough question. Um, you've got to you've got to have a variety in your diet. You know, you've got to have a lot of vegetables. Obviously, you've got to have a lot of carbohydrates because you burn so many calories. Is that low fat one? Is that low fat carbs or? It doesn't have to be greeny because it, no. it's all it's all about the amount you eat, and it's kind of. Mm. It's measured for you, you know. You know, clubs are going to so much detail now in how much energy you burn in training, how many, how much distance you cover, how many sprints you do, how, what your kilometres you cover can then be calculated into your body weight, your body fat, and how much you should eat. You know, you've got chefs at the training ground. The facilities are brilliant, um, but no, because you burn so much energy and so many calories, you need to refuel the body because yeah. you've got to go again the next day. So a mixture of, you know, vegetables, carbohydrates, protein. But proteins, everyone associates protein with meat, but you can have all different types of proteins. You can have nuts. You can have all different types of beans that you can get. I'm not talking about Heinz baked beans. I'm talking about yeah. different types of beans. And yeah. um, there's so much out there. Um, mm. And I've seen, you know, lots of players are into the vegan diet now because if you look at footballers now, they're getting a yeah. lot slimmer and a lot, you know, there's not much mass on them they're very slim but muscular but slim because they just move at such a pace i mean as a footballer is it, it's a daft question but i'm going to ask it anyway but as a footballer dino do you ever see any footballers what went to mackies and brought like a big mac or yeah. <laughs> do you agree I, 
I, I, do, you know, do you know what? I think you know the answer to that. Of course they do, mate. Of course they do. <laughs> you, and how, you know, how quick does it take to burn it off, though? Uh, but, you know, footballers, sports people, let's go sports people, they burn so many calories and so much energy, they need to refuel the body. Now, it's better that you get something in, you get the best things in your body, mm. but it's sometimes you just need something. So, for instance, you know, after the games on the bus, we used to have Domino's pizza. <laughs> or, or we'd have we'd have we'd have fish and chips because you're tr- yeah. now they don't because the buses I have now you'd have a chef on the bus with a kitchen who would mm-hmm. actually cook some meals for the players. But when mm-hmm. I was playing, you'd have Domino's because you just need to get stuff back into the body mm-hmm. to help it recover and refuel. And then the next day you can go back to your diet. You can go back mm-hmm. to the the routines you got into. But yeah, course players would have McDonald's. Course players <laughs> still drink alcohol. Of course they do. <laughs> Which which gaffer was it? What give you Domino's pizza? <laughs> oh, I had them. I had them at all clubs. I had them at all clubs. So, uh, you know, and all clubs I was successful at. We had at Southampton. We had we had fish and chips quite regular at Leicester. Um, there was no beers on the bus. That went oh. definitely went. That went about yeah. I think when I was about twenty or twenty five. <laughs> that went so. Yeah, so there used to be beers on the bus. I've seen a few players fall off the bus when you get back to the cars. Um, but yeah, no no drinks, no beers on the bus anymore, unfortunately. Um, Dino, plug me your um, your fitness web address so we can put it out on the pod. Yeah, so it's Dean Hammond Elite Fitness. It's um, it's on a fitness platform called Boom TV, um, and that's where we do, I do my hit classes four times a week. There's a mixture of of core, cardio, weighted, and full body exercises. It's 30 minutes, so, you know, it's not going to take up your whole day. You haven't got to drive to the gym and drive back, so you waste an hour, half an hour driving to the gym, an hour in the gym, and half an hour back, way back. It's it's 30 minutes in the morning. So, yeah, Dean, Dean Hammond Elite, Elite Fitness, which is on Instagram, um, and the link to the bio is on my Instagram page. Superb. And I think just to round it off, just before you go, Dino, is uh, I think Jacko's got a couple more just about I've general got a football. And Jack's got a couple. Well. Yeah, if that's yeah. right for you, Dean, just it add them in. Um, no it's, just, it's more regards than just about football itself in general. Yep. Mm. I'll let Jack go first then, Jack. Yeah, I've got a couple, mate. First one is, did you yourself have any sort of superstitions or anything you did on match day? Any sort of weird or wacky ones? Do you know, yeah. I'm going to really disappoint you here. Not oh. really. Not really. I would. The only one I would do is I would. I would put my left sock on before my right. But that that's the only uh, one. And that came in. That came in quite late towards the end of my career. And I can't tell you a reason why it did come in. It was probably <laughs> sounds silly. It's going to sound really stupid. So on the socks, they would have L for the left and R for the right. And I'd always have to put my left on. My left on first. I think it was just. I think it was just to remind us footballers to get it on the right foot, probably. Yeah, we've got, um, we've got them in Saturday League as well. And the only other thing I would do, I would wear tape on my wrist. So if you look at me playing, I would always wear tape on my wrist. And that wasn't because I was covering anything up. I just got into a routine of wearing tape on my wrist. And I don't know why I did it, um, but I did. I was going to ask you that question. <laughs> yeah. did, did anyone you play with as well? Did, did anyone else have like, anything weird or wacky, like superstitions or anything? Or was everyone pretty conservative? Everyone's pretty concerned. They're, they're, I think they're a bit of a myth, if I'm honest. They, yeah. I, I never, I never played with anyone that had anything stupid. I mean, I've seen a, a few, a few um, players pray before football and stuff, and that's more there because of religious base and their beliefs. But um, no, nothing, nothing major that some someone done really extreme. You think, you know, what are you doing there? Um, <laughs> no, nothing. So 
were no players I played with. I honestly think it's a bit of a myth. If I'm, you know, I've never seen anything too crazy. Last one from me then, mate. Who? This is probably the toughest question a lot. Who's probably the best player you played with or against? Oh, that's a hard question. Um, yeah. Well, look. My idol was always Steven Gerrard, so I played against Steven Gerrard a couple of times, and, and that was a blessing. Um, but I would say the best player I played with, and I played with some good ones, so I'm going to miss a few out here, and I apologise for that. But just because he's so effective and he's so good at what he does, and there's no one else like him for what he does for the team, the position he plays, I'd have to say Jamie Vardy, just because... He can score goals, he's quick, he's aggressive, he's a leader, he's a top guy as well. Um, and just because of the career path he's had, you know, he started right at the bottom and got right to the top and he stayed at the top and he's just brilliant. And I think he would get in, and I honestly say this, and this is a bold statement and you might shoot me for it. Honestly, I think he would get in any team in the world. Here, here. I'm a Millwall fan and I have to agree with you. <laughs> I'm a Derby fan and I have to agree with you. <laughs> it's right, Dean. I have got a remove button for these two clowns, so don't worry. <laughs> right, Jacko, do you just want to finish it off, mate, and then we can let Dino yeah. shoot off? Yeah, just a couple of quick ones, Dean. Um, Phil asks, what was it like to play with Cambiasso? Brilliant. I, I love playing with Esteban. I learned a lot off him. Um, when he came into the club, obviously I was a little bit nervous because we played in the same position and I thought, okay, my time at Leicester could be could be over here because he's such a top player and won so many accolades in the game. But no, he came in, um, he was still hungry to be successful even though everything he'd won and the age he was. I learned a lot of him. He actually gave me a lot of time personally as well, which I appreciated. Um, but no, a brilliant player. His vision was amazing because he wasn't the quickest player, but he didn't need to be quick because his mind was quick. You know, he would see yeah. a pass before it happened. He'd see someone's run before it happened. Um, and he was just a winner. You know, I, I'm not... He was he was someone that was a game player. You know, he wasn't always the best trainer in the world, but he would always be ready, you know, when there was a performance that people put on in a match that really mattered, um, you could rely on him. But... A really, really nice guy as well that absolutely love football. He love football. Brilliant. Thank you. Um, the last one from me, uh, or last one from Phil, he asked, what, um, that win against Man United after coming back from 3-1 down, was that one of the best atmospheres you had at Leicester? I'm going to say it was the best, even with the promotions, even with staying up. Um, mm. Even with the celebrations of the promotion, you know, you know, we celebrate for a few weeks because you know we'd been promoted and um, we could, you know, relax. And every game we won, it was a bit of a party with us and the fans. So, but you know that I just remember that third goal going in at three all, and I don't think I've heard the King Power as loud as that. It was yeah. the roof came off. Now I know during the the, the following season when the, the boys won the Premier League, I assume you know I wasn't there all the time was it was loud you know and there were some mm. big celebrations then but it was just such a intense game where we were we were beaten twice we were 2-0 down everyone thought we was finished we were 3-1 down and you know the game was over and when Esteban mm. scored that goal to make it um free all and we all celebrated in the corner as a team everyone together superb you know I've just got amazing memories of that and I can still hear that noise now I just remember yeah. 
walking back to the centre circle after we'd scored that goal, actually for one of the only times in my career, looking around, just seeing the fans' faces, the noise, the mm. singing, the celebrations, thinking, yeah, this is what football's all about. And it was uh, as a memory that I will always remember. No, brilliant. Thank you very much. On that note, Dino, I'm going to let you go, mate, but it's been an absolute pleasure to have you on, mate, and uh, mm. can't thank you enough for coming on. Brilliant, guys. Enjoyed that. Well yeah, done. Definitely. Thank Cheers, you. Cheers, mate. We'll obviously uh, thank you. We'll keep plugging you out, Dino, on our pod. Um, thank you. I appreciate that. Ho- hopefully you'll come back on again sometime and do, do a more in-depth talk of just football. Of course I will. Anytime, mate. Let me know. Spot yeah, on, mate. Appreciate it. So, everyone, that is Dean Hammond from uh, Leicester and Southampton, ex-pro. Get on it. Get on his Instagram. Awesome. Cheers, Dean. Cheers, guys. I'll see Take you all care. later. Cheers, Cheers mate. Thank you later. Bye. And that's all we have time for this evening on After Extra Time. I've been your host, Greeny, and I'd like to say a massive thanks to my two co-hosts, Alex Jackson and Jack Godfrey. And a massive thank you to our special guest this evening, Dean Hammond. Also, if you'd like to get in touch, please message us at AfterExtraTime2020 at gmail.com. And also you can contact us via our Facebook page, After Extra Time. Could I also say a massive thanks to our new sponsor, Dean Hammond Elite Fitness. And next week you'll be joined by Mr. Alex Jackson, who will be the host. And you can also find us three lads back on the Facebook Live on Friday evening. So thanks again for listening. I've been your host, Greeny. Take care. Sports Social Podcast Network. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper, a woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver? I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus.